Hello there, my name is Sabrina. Welcome to the Homeschooling Journey podcast. Are you a homeschooling mama? Either a first timer, or maybe you've already been at it for years. Maybe you're just thinking about it. I want to encourage you on this journey. Tune in every week to learn hard-won wisdom, practical advice, and tips from other homeschooling moms. You can do this. Welcome back to the Homeschooling Journey podcast. Today my guest is author Carrie Strong. She's been on the program before. Check out episode 84 and 85 if you haven't already to hear about her new book, You Can Homeschool, Answers, Methods, and Resources, and Real Life Stories. Carrie's written a wonderful resource, and I'll link it at the end of the, uh, in the show notes. Today she's coming on to talk a little bit about the different methods of both teaching and learning, and a little bit about what methods she has found work best in her family, only with a view to showing you what might work best in your family. Everyone finds kind of what works best in their own family with each child during each season of life. So I think you'll really enjoy hearing from Carrie again. She has lots of practical wisdom and great tips. Enjoy. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Sabrina. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Welcome back to the podcast, Carrie. Good. Thank you. Well, ha- thanks for having me back. Yeah. So uh, last, a couple months ago, we talked about your great new book, Carrie, titled You Can Homeschool. And um, today we were going to talk about a little more in depth about teaching and learning methods, which you cover quite extensively in your book and also with lots of great examples. And I kind of want to talk about um, your methods of teaching and learning. But before we get into that, why don't you just briefly talk about some of the main methods for our audience? Yeah, sure. Um, So the main methods Um, There's a variety of them, and I address 10 of them, and I'm sure there are more out there, but the ones that I've seen or the ones that seem the most um, familiar out there are these 10. So it starts with the online learning, and not necessarily in this order, but just the online approach, Um, and there's so many great tools out there that um, I've even learned of more tools even since writing the book that I wish I had included. Um, One is called North Star Um, Academy. They are a great resource for online learning. Um, CTC Math. um, There's a whole bunch of them that if you're in a stage of life where you need um, some supplemental resources or you um, even want to do all of your curriculum online, um, that that is a great option. So um, the book lists uh, a whole bunch more different um, options that are out there for online learning. But so I start with that one. Yeah, the book gives lots of good um, emails, uh, you know, not emails, websites and things to actually look up these types of programs. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a friend who had a baby um, and it was her fourth child and she used all of her curriculum was online because it just really helped her in that stage of life. Right. So that's definitely an option. And then um, the second one that I go into is the traditional method, which probably is the most familiar or the most common one used. 
uh, mainly because most of us grew up in a traditional environment, or maybe some of us were teachers beforehand. Um, that was the one that I started with just because I didn't know that there were a whole bunch of other methods out there that were available or options out there. So this is basically where you take what's done in the school and you bring it home and do it at home. So you might follow a curriculum um, and it will tell you even what to say, how to say it, what to do next, what steps to take. And if you're new to homeschooling, it's not necessarily a, a bad approach. It um, definitely is a way to get started if you're not even sure where to begin, because it really does tell you exactly what you need to say and what you need to do if you're not um, familiar with that. So, um, or familiar with how to teach a concept. It will even tell you like, say this, and this is how you teach it. So initially I followed that almost verbatim and, um, it, it didn't end up being a great fit for my family. And the more people I talked to about it, they said, you just need to really, not become so enslaved to, to your curriculum and let it be a resource to serve you, mm -hmm. which is something that I've mentioned before. So, um, I mean, a lot of people that follow the traditional method, they'll even have chairs in their house. They'll have the, the chalkboards up, um, pictures up on the wall. And let me tell you, I've definitely fallen into that category. Um, but it can become, it can become enslaving if you're so focused on trying to meet the same expectations that a school is meeting, which you don't need to do as a homeschooling parent. So, I mean, I could, I could talk about that all day long, but that's, that's the next one that I talked to and um, lots of examples there of, of parents that, that follow it loosely or follow it to some extent. Um, and then the, the third one that I go into is um, one that my mom taught me because she's a, she's a Montessori teacher. So um, the next one is the Montessori or Waldorf approach. Um, they're very similar. Montessori is more individual, whereas Waldorf works more in groups. But the ideas are that it's a much more tangible, hands-on experience where you take manipulatives. Um, there's great Montessori websites out there that have um, different websites that you can find some of those manip manipulatives. Um, the problem with that one is it does become expensive if you um, if you stick just to the Montessori manipulatives. But for me, I like to just take things that were already at my house. Um, like if I might have a work for like folding towels or um, whatever it is, but that that approach is definitely more hands-on where you have um, maybe like um, a room that has a math section, a science section, a reading section, and then you have different trays or um, works that they call them that you take out and then you do on a rug and um, you touch it, you feel it, um, you see it, um, and then you you put that back and you go get a different work each time. So this was approach uh, approach that I really liked, but I used it a lot with my kids when they were much younger. And it was just to really instill a concrete, tangible way of learning before getting to more of the abstract worksheets and that kind of thing. Um, and so then I go into the Waldorf approach after that. And after, um, after that one, then I'm trying to think what I do next. I think the classical, are you still there, Sabrina? Yes, I'm oh, okay. here. <laughs> okay, just making sure. <laughs> You're such a great listener. Just want to make uh... sure that. <laughs> um, so the next one that I go into is the, um, I believe I touch on classical after that. Right. And yes, and then this one 
has three different stages to it. You have the grammar, the logic, and the rhetoric stage. The grammar stage is about um, to the, I mean, give or take the elementary years. The logic stage is roughly the middle school years. And the rhetoric stage is around the high school years. And during the grammar stage, they're just, they're doing a lot of memorization, a lot of chanting, singing, um, a lot of just getting facts in their brains. And then during the logic stage, they take those facts and they start asking questions. And this is where a parent might perceive their child to be rebellious during this stage because they're asking why a lot. Whereas in the classical approach, the parent embraces that why because they want their child to start thinking for themselves and taking the facts that they've learned and start to really form logical opinions based on those facts. And then in the rhetoric stage is when they really start to articulate those things that they've learned, um, which has really been striking me a lot lately because I feel like debate and healthy debate is just an art that's been lost in our country. So I really appreciate the classical approach um, in that it really focuses on how to respect the person that you're debating with. Um, You don't attack the person, but you debate the issue. And I was even just talking to my husband about this. It's not like we need to come back to a debate where debates are not about attacking people. They're about um, dissecting an issue and, and, and discovering the, the truths behind those different issues and the pros and cons and, and really debating um, where, that me- where the mentalities are coming from from behind those issues. Right. That's totally a lost art now. Yes. Yeah. And I... I would just love to see that in our country again. You know, it's kind of, we got the cancel culture. And if you don't believe this way or you don't believe that way, then then we really haven't just been able to just have a platform to really where we can um, debate healthy again yeah. in our country. Right. Discuss something in a, in a, you know, in a good way. Right. Yeah. And so that's really a lot of what classical um, focuses on. Uh, The next one that I get into is the Charlotte Mason method. And this one is the one that I had no clue about when I first started homeschooling. Um, I had kind of heard of maybe the other ones, but this one I had never even heard of. And um, when I went to a homeschool convention, I don't remember if I mentioned this on here already, but I had a panic attack on my way home from this convention because, excuse me, because I heard all of these terms thrown out there like Charlotte Mason, classical, unschooling, uh, traditional, and like all of the different methods that were out there. I'm like, I have no idea what all of these are and I don't even know where to begin. So um, the more I got to know them though, I'm like, wow, there's, there's so many great things with each of the methods and you don't have to follow one exclusively. You can grab and pick and pull from all of the different ones the different concepts that you really want to implement in your schoolhouse or in your schoolroom. I'd like to talk more about that. Yeah. When I started homeschooling, I would say I was the same as you. I Mm. I kind of, I actually had pulled my two oldest out of a traditional school. So Mm. I kind of went into it with the mode of, you know, 45 minute math period, 45 right. minutes period. And I, and I felt kind of rigid about that because I was kind of bringing that model home mm-hmm. um, because that's what I knew. Like you said, that's kind of what we knew we grew up with. And so, and then it, 
just gradually you see, I felt like I started to pull away from that because there mm-hmm. were a lot of things about that that didn't work well. And um, even though at the time I didn't know about all these different methods, and I think I would have been overwhelmed if, if I'd been presented <laughs> with them all at the beginning, sure. I didn't know about them. And yet, you know, looking back now, I can say that I used bits and pieces of all of them. Right. And, and I think mm. that's a really important point that you're making that, you know, there are all these different methods and you kind of can, it's interesting to know about the different ones, mm-hmm. but it's not like any one in particular is the right one. Right. Um, I think you use bits and pieces from all of them. I think some work better with some kids and others work better with other kids. So right. I really like how in your book, you, you um, go through the methods and then give some concrete examples of families who use the methods. Uh, just, but, but also that it's important to know that, most of us don't use just one of them. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So you said you kind of also started out with the traditional. Because that's did. what you knew. Yeah, and then at, at, at what point did you feel like you started to move away from that? It was during, um, I want to say it was 2019. I had I had brought my son home from school two years before that and had just started with the traditional, I actually set up a little space in my, um, our master bedroom was really big at the time. Um, since then we've downgraded, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> we used part of it as a school room and it was fun. It was fun for me because I used to be a teacher and I had it all set up and I didn't even follow a curriculum that year. I just kind of went with my gut and started out with, um, teaching them just what made sense next. Like, okay, you've got counting down pretty good. Now let's move on to adding. Okay. You've got that down pretty good. Let's move on to subtracting and Hey, let's try a number line. Let's see how that goes. And let's use sticks and stones and different things and beads. And, um, it just felt very organic to me, very natural. And then I started thinking like, Oh no, what if I miss something? And (laughs) (laughs) what if I'm not teaching it right or whatever it is? And I stopped trusting my gut and I started looking for, um, other curriculum choices out there. So that's when I went to a convention and, um, got overwhelmed. Yes. Became very overwhelmed. I'm like, ah, I don't even know where to begin. So I just went with a curriculum that I already knew that I had already used in the past and ended up buying all that they had for that curriculum and, or for that grade and brought it home and followed it almost to a T the next year in first, when my son was in first grade, um, I got burnt out probably week two. (laughs) Uh I mean, I was already like, okay, when's it summer break? Like it was, (laughs) it was bad. And I, I was just complaining to my husband, like, I don't know if I can do this. And I had such a a rigorous schedule at that time that I revamped, like, I don't know, 42 times probably, but just like kept revamping it and kept revamping it. And then, um, was just like, I don't know how moms do this and squeeze every little worksheet in and every test in and, and then it, uh, like, it was just this aha moment that I had one time, even at a Bible study, it had nothing to do with homeschooling, but it was just like, what am I doing? And I just remembered why I wanted to homeschool in the first place. Oh. I, I wanted to pull them out so that we could start learning things naturally and organically. And I wanted to live life with them as part of our education. So 
I started um, talking to my husband and we were bouncing ideas off of each other. And we're like, well, what if we tried this instead of that? And what if you like, instead of writing or like tracing all of the rote work and like um, just doing copy work that is meaningless, what if you take that and you start journaling about your experiences from nature walks or um, from going and visiting places that we've studied about? And school started coming to life for me during that year, because instead of, like I've said before, becoming enslaved to my curriculum, it was now a resource to help give me ideas for the next thing. Um, but it, it just became much more natural again. So, um, and we started incorporating, um, the, a lot of the Charlotte Mason stuff that year too, where it was, I, I have my, um, the chapter pulled up on Charlotte Mason where part of the Charlotte Mason approach is that, that I implemented my home is taking impersonal writing assignments from my kids' textbooks and replacing them with personal journal entries about their day. And that just, it, that brought the journaling to life. It brought science to life because now we were going outside a lot more and doing um, just observations and uh, it just, it really came to life that year. Um, and just to quick finish up on some of the methods that are out there, just so you have like a really brief mm -hmm. overview of them too. Um, the unit study was after that. Um, I have not done a lot of unit study stuff, but I know parents that absolutely love it and their kids really love it. And this is where you take um, a topic, a certain topic, and then have all of your subjects um, connected to that topic. So, for example, if you wanted to study creation in the Bible, you might talk about um, maybe you got little ones and you could talk about the seven days of the week. You could talk about male and female. You could talk about um, creation and how the world was made. Um, there's all, all different kinds. You can pull math into there somehow and science and history and all of that is pulled together through one topic. Mm hmm. So a lot of moms really, really love the unit study method. Um, again, that's not one that I've experimented that much with, but I have a feeling my kids would love it too if I tried it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then the last couple, there's the more formula. Um, this is one that I love because um, if you're familiar with uh, Better Late Than Early, the book called Better Late Than Early. Oh, yeah. Um, it is just... Great talking about how we really force our kids into um, learning so much earlier than really what their brains and their mentalities are ready for. And um, this, the more formula talks about also implementing service at, um, as part of your day and um, intent like labor, like doing laundry together, doing chores together, really um, having a third of your day be about working around the house, a third mm -hmm. of your day being about service and a third of your day being about education. Mm -hmm. So that's a really neat, neat approach too. Mm -hmm. And then um, the last one, my friend writes, Megan Todd wrote this part, the unschooling approach, which takes the idea that kids learn the entire English language and they learn, and they learn um, how to walk, how to talk, like how to talk, how to do all of those things before going to school without any like sit down, here's how you do something. And that it takes that same idea and, and carries it through their whole education. And then when we, when we graduate, we go back to this way of learning to where we're, we're learning out of need based and out of interest based. 
And so unschooling really takes those same concepts and applies it throughout their entire life. So, um, so those are kind of the main approaches. And like I talked about already, the eclectic approach is really just taking and grabbing from everything, which is really what a lot of most moms probably do this. So um, going back again to the year that I really what felt like I was coming alive was when I had started just implementing things a lot more naturally. And then um, COVID hit and a lot of hard hardships hit in my life. My, my dad had a stroke. We, uh, my sister went through a divorce. It was... <laughs> Sorry, my little one is <laughs> my little one is freaking out. Oh, yeah, Carrie. Yeah, Carrie was a baby in the middle of writing a book and homeschooling. Oh goodness, yeah, I think he's got her. <laughs> she's, she's like, "Where's Mama?" But um. So yeah, sorry, I lost my train of thought. What was? What well, was yeah. Next? So 2019, you had a lot of uh, difficulties in your life, and you kind of transitioned to a, a different way of educating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we all go through seasons where one approach will work better than another. So during the season that we were, we we moved out to Arizona to spend some time with family and um, to be with my dad, and and during that year, we went to uh, we we fell back into the traditional approach, just because it made sense in that season of life. I actually ended up taking my sister's kids, and um, we did homeschooling together. And so my mom would take the younger kids, I took the older kids, and because I had more than just my children, I wanted to make sure that they were meeting the state standards and doing all of um, the things that they would need to know before going back to school. So, mm-hmm. um, so it just made sense for that season. Um, and then when we moved we moved back to the Midwest. Now we live in Michigan. Um, we, I started going back to trying to find that groove again that I had before COVID to where things were being done more naturally and, um, and just getting back into that. So, mm-hmm. um, and it hasn't been easy because as you just heard, <laughs> I have a little infant in the house now. So, um, life's right. Definitely- so your kids ages now, they are 10, 9, 7, and I have a six-month-old. Okay. So you are, um, I know that you talked last time about that you live on, on um, like a, not, not a forest, but uh, trees. <laughs> you have a lot of trees. Yes. And that you had it incorporated that, your land and the trees into math and science and uh, lots of real life things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have been able to do that again. And that's been amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And even just for the moms out there that compare themselves to other moms, this is where I really get stuck in a rut is that mommy guilt that can come on me sometimes of, oh, but I should be doing it this way. And school should look like this. And this year I've had to once again, really let go of what, what I should be doing and replace it with, um, what makes sense for this season of life. So with having an infant, it, it doesn't really make sense for me to be getting up at five o'clock in the morning and, um, you know, getting all my things done and having all my school prepped perfectly because I don't get a lot of sleep right now. So, um, the beauty of this of homeschooling though, is that we can kind of morph and change things to fit the season that we're in. So now lately I've been finding, um, my older kids have been doing a really great job with 
learning on their own. They'll pick up their work, read how it's supposed to be done, read the new concept. And then I'm just around for questions if they can't figure something out. And they go through their school day very independently right now. And that just allows me to nurse when I need to nurse. And um, so we don't have like the, the, the structure that I used to have where it's like, let's do this at this time and this at this time and this at this time. It's it's more, here's what you need to do. And um, when you get that done, let's go for hikes and let's meet up with homeschool groups and um, and things like that. So, so the 10 and nine-year-old are fully reading and able to read directions for themselves. What about mm-hmm. the seven-year-old? Yeah, not as much with her. She definitely um, needs my help a lot more. And then when the, when the older boys, who are the 10 and nine-year-old, when they get done, a lot of times they will help her with her work too. Ah, uh-huh. So that's been really cool to see, to see them teaching, which is a great way to learn. Right. Um, and yeah, yeah. It, it does get easier as the kids get older because they mm-hmm. can be more independent. And of course you're always right. there when they, they need to ask you something, but you want to encourage that independence. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. And that's, I mean, that's what school's all about, right? Isn't it training our kids so that they can become responsible adults and essentially learn how to learn on their own. So that to me is exciting. (laughs) So Carrie, would you say that at this point um, you're using kind of a a mixture of all the different methods that you talked about? I would say so. Yeah. And um, I start again, I started out and it's, it's a lot of the guilt based, like, oh, I should be doing this with a whole bunch of curriculum stuff. And half this happens every year where I start out with that. It's like, I throw half of it out and I'm like, nope, that's, that's not how we're going to roll. And we're going to do this instead. So Um, so what I did with writing this year with language, they're still, they're still doing their books. Um, but what I'm having them do now is, uh, incorporate journal writing, which I think has been phenomenal in this season of life. They will journal about things that they're interested in, or maybe a book report or like something that we did over the weekend or a letter that they want to write to a friend or a prayer that they want to write. Um, they've just been writing in their journals and that's been a great opportunity, not only to practice the writing skills, but to go back and say, okay, here's where punctuation needs to go. This is where capitalization needs to be. And, um, this is an adjective, this is a verb. And it just, again, happens very organically as they're writing, learning those different grammar skills. So each day they write in your journal, in their journals, and then Mm -hmm. you, you look at it and go over it and kind of correct it or. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that's what exactly, that's exactly it. So they'll, they'll write and print the first time I'll go back through and that's where all of the grammar will come in, all of the spelling and, and the, and the writing skills, like it's all incorporated into that journal entry and then I'll correct it all. And then they have to go back or I'll do the, the proofreader marks of what they do need to correct. And then they have to go back the next day, write it in cursive and then, um, and then incorporate all of the different things that they, they messed up on. So so. When you say journal, it's just interesting to me. Do you tell them, Oh, just go write whatever you want to want to about today. Or do they, do you give them a topic? Uh, both once in a while, it will just be like, okay, pick something that is interesting to you. And sometimes they'll write a story and um, sometimes they'll write about their weekend. Um, they are, they're still going through a lot of grief with, uh, over losing their, their papa, we called him. Mm-hmm. And so that has been a very therapeutic thing for them to write letters to God or to write, um, about how they're feeling about that. Um, 
so a lot of those times I won't even correct him. I'm like, okay, if it if it's a grieving letter, just, just let it be. Like, I want you to express yourself without feeling guilty. like you need to get it perfect. So, um, so then, you don't actually have a grammar workbook. We, we do, we still do have okay, that. Do. Um, I still have them go through it. It's pretty easy. It's actually, I bumped them back a grade in their grammar workbook. So they're able to fly through it pretty quickly now. Um, and what do you still, use for that? We, we use a Becca for that. So they okay. use, Ooh, um, that's pretty uh, meaty. <laughs> it is. That's why they're back a grade right now. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. With those harder curriculums, I, yeah, Hannah's, Hannah's in second grade technically, but she's doing first grade curriculum okay. for that. So, so yeah. they're doing the worksheets, but then they're also, you're catching the errors in their journal. Yes. Yeah. 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 And they get through the worksheets pretty quickly. They're not, they don't take them very long. So, uh-huh. um, and that really is just for my benefit too, to be like, okay, what are some of the things that I'm missing? What am I like, what are some of the, cause sometimes I don't even know the grammar stuff or I forget like, what is that? Oh, that's a preposition. Okay. What is this one? And so mm-hmm. even just to remind myself, like what the mm-hmm. different parts of speech are. So, yeah, I think Rebecca is very good for that. Yeah. And very like I would, mm -hmm. and what I would tell every mom is do not compare yourself. Like, I hope that this gives you some ideas, but if it's like, Whoa, that is not going to work for my family, then don't ever feel the mommy guilt of that. You need to do it this way or that way, because I have definitely held on to that mommy guilt. And all that that's done is just stump me from moving forward and (laughs) feeling productive. So, um, I think that that's really important advice. And for some reason, we all fall into the comparing thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. comparison is the thief of joy. And exactly. Yeah. We really just have to, I, I don't, I've never found the secret to how to avoid that. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I know. It just if seems to knows, be part of our human nature. <laughs> right. Yep. It's so funny. I was just talking to one of my friends at the library yesterday, telling her my mommy guilt. And she's like, when are you going to read your book? I'm like, I know Uh I'm I'm preaching to myself when I, when I speak on these things or when I write, it's really just Carrie, let go, let God, let like be okay with the season of life you're in and do what works for you. And when you compare and try to do what somebody else is doing, all that does is stop you from doing what works for you. So absolutely. um, that's that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to close with that, Carrie, because I think that's sure. really good advice just to try to avoid that comparison trap. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, um, this has been really great. And I just want to direct again our audience to your wonderful book, You Can Homeschool by Carrie Strong. I, I highly recommend getting a copy of it. And she goes through all these different methods and gives lots of great resources and websites to look into if you're interested in these different um, methods of homeschooling. Mm -hmm. And again, it's like you said, it's not something to be overwhelmed at. Right. Um, Feeling like you have to know all the methods and figure out which methods, right? Because homeschooling is just finding what works for your family. Exactly. Yes. Great. Well, thanks, Carrie, so much. Sure. Thank you, Sabrina. Great talking to you. You too. It's always a joy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.